Hello and welcome to Media Mouthwash. I'm Daniel Bentley. I'm Joseph Stashko. And we're back after a brief hiatus. And this week we'll be asking, are journalists dicks? We'll also be looking at the ethics of Tom Watson. And we'll be getting all incestuous in the Media Mouthwash studio for our app of the week. So to start, I spoke to Lyra McKee, editor of the media news aggregation site MediaGazer, who this week sparked some interesting debate after she wrote a blog post accusing some journalists, not all, of being dicks. I began by asking Lyra about MediaGazer and what the site does. So MediaGazer is a media news site, and what we do is we aggregate the biggest headlines in the day or the pieces and the features that you should be reading. Um, we're the sister site of TechMeme, which is a technology news aggregator. And, you know, the concept behind MediaGazer is that, you know, rather than you spend trying to code the 20 different sites to find out where the news is and what's breaking, we'll bring you sort of the best, the best versions and the best copy of the news that day. So that you only have to visit one destination to catch up on what's going on. Okay, and so how are the how are the stories aggregated? Uh, you know what? A lot of it is shoe leather reporting. You, you know, you wouldn't think it, but I mean, there's an element of it is the media gives a robot, which you know surfaces stories for us and tells us what's being shared and what's being talked about. You know, within the Twitter sphere, which is really, you know, which is great. I mean, I think um, one of the issues I know I've chatted about this a couple of times with Anthony Rosa from Reuters is that you never quite know where news is breaking before it becomes mainstream on Twitter. But like the system we have and work can actually detect when something is gaining momentum, so that we can catch it before everyone is talking about it. So you've got quite a, like a sophisticated algorithm going on. We do, yeah. But I mean, then again, a big part of it, though, I mean, because we're essentially human filters, but a big part of it is simple things like watching Twitter, tracking social media and what people are saying, using RapNight, which is a social media intelligence tool. And then a lot of it is fact-checking. So you want to make sure, we do our best to make sure that everything we link to is actually accurate. And that involves, a lot of the time, me ringing up sources and saying, can you confirm this for me? One thing that um, a lot of people picked up on last week was a, a blog post that you wrote. Well, you, you, you tell us about it in your own words. Well, you know what? I think the blog post was really misunderstood. Um, I just come back from a week in San Francisco, which was amazing. Uh, but one of the issues I've noticed for a long time that we have in journalism is that we have the rise of what we call, like, the brand. And in a, in a way, it's like where journalists have become bigger than the story. You know, and we have these almost like celebrity journalists or journalists who consider themselves celebrities. And I think you sometimes see it when you read their work and they were saying, and, you know, and I think, and, you know, it's, it becomes like they become a part of the story, if that makes sense. And I see it more in tech journalism than I do in any other kind, mainly. And I think mainly because tech journalists are kind of treated like rock stars by startups. You know, they're constantly being pitched and people want their time and, you know, so the rest of us are kind of treated like rats. <laughs> they get treated quite well. But um, so I see it more there. So is, is tech journalism in a, a pretty unhealthy state with that? You know what? I don't think it's in an unhealthy state. I think that there's just, I think we tend to see it more there. The personalities are more visible. The reason I wrote the post was basically to say it isn't healthy. We're not bigger than the story. I really hate that when journalists, I, like I hear, hear it all the time, journalists tell young reporters coming in, you know, build your brand. 
yeah. uh, you know, get 100, 120,000 Twitter followers, blah, blah, blah. That's bullshit. I'm sorry, but that's all bullshit. It's not about building your brand, it's about doing a fucking good job. You know, you're there to serve the public, you're there to do great stories, and it should always be about the work. So that was Lyra McKee of MediaGazer. I was really interested. I thought the the blog post she wrote, which we'll link to on the show page, was absolutely like spot on in, in many aspects. Um, if you read a lot of, uh, especially like US based technology blogs, there is a huge amount of ego in them and, yeah, and, and self at the story. Um, I think there's a few different strands to separate. Like the point about using you know building a personal brand as a journalist is a is a great thing to do like if you're like a young student journalist and you're trying to get employed like trying to get noticed that's like a really important thing to have but there's like sort of a line isn't there yeah no definitely i think like with the whole kind of brand building thing um it's obviously a tried and tested model for getting noticed and possibly getting employed i think the interesting thing is is that because of Without being too rude about it, a lot of kind of senior editors at like big old organizations not knowing what's going on in terms of online, it has kind of left the door open for a lot of young people to kind of get in there and actually have a say for once, which on the whole is a really, really good thing. You know, you need new ideas. But also because of that, it allows you to kind of cultivate a brand, cultivate a kind of personality around stuff and you may end up being known more for your kind of Twitter avatar than actually anything you've ever written or done. Um, and I think there's a, there's a happy medium there. There's a happy medium of being a really good journalist um, and actually talking about the stuff you do. And I think there's loads of examples of people who are really good at that. Uh, but I'm not sure it does democratise. It's not like a democratising thing because oh, it's no, sort no, of like... No. I, I think it's sort of like the the louder voices... Yeah, no, like, definitely. You know, they're, they're the ones who are getting noticed. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. Like, and There's plenty of chances who are getting jobs out of social media yeah. ju- just by being loud and tweeting. Yeah, and I think this is an interesting thing because um, some people are very good at shouting about stuff and some people are very good at just doing. And a rare few are very good at doing both. But I think a lot of the time, people who just get on and do stuff don't get the kind of kudos that perhaps some of the shouters do. You know, for example, a lot of people I know or follow or um, have met who are really, really incredibly intelligent and are doing great work within the organisations kind of around digital media. But they're not any of the kind of people you see who are, who are like being retweeted all the time on Twitter or shouting about this and that. They're kind of just getting on with what they're doing. And it might be a more sort of humble approach. No, I, I think spot on. I mean, we were talking about, like, young journalists, and Lyra was very keen to point out that her piece wasn't about young journalists. Yeah, I, I it, quite it, it was. Them. It was more about the example that they're being set. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that's, like, completely spot on, is that, you know, if you're a young person now in, interested in technology, like, who are your... Who are the writers that you're aspiring to be? For the most part, like the British technology press, like the British, you know, newspaper technology columns are substandard. Yeah. You then have to look over the pond and 
all things D's pretty good. You know, Nick built in the New York Times is pretty yeah. good. But then you've got tech blogs that, you know, are, are good, entertaining reads, but they're not really the example that you want to be set to journalists. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a dark, dark world if, if anyone looks up and sees M.G. Ziegler as a role model. The terrifying future. We're not naming names, Joe. But, no, just, you know. You just did. There you go. So, for my gaff of the week, I wanted to look at everybody's favourite parliamentary vigilante, Tom Watson MP. Yeah, I love that guy. Besides the fact that most people seem to forget the fact that he fiddled the crap out of his expenses, yeah. he was one of the worst offenders. He's like been held up as this like bastion of, well, not you know, he's like been the figurehead of the yeah, uh, of yeah. the hacking stuff in, in Parliament, and is the guy's like raised all the questions about it and really pushed through to get the yeah. the inquiry done. So why, because he was a victim of of the hacking. Yeah. How much he'd have been involved if he wasn't on the list of Yeah, it's debatable. Of, of hacking. So it's why debatable. is he um why is he why is he popped up on the show this week? He's popped up on the show this week because Tom Watson has written a book about all the hacking stuff called Dial M for Murdoch. <laughs> I thought it was a really good title. But he's he's on because in the book, he quotes the former News of the World reporter Neville Thurbeck. Yeah. He quotes him from an off-the-record, private, confidential conversation that they had. Yeah. Thurbeck wrote in, in, a, in a blog post saying that these conversations were private. He's not all that upset and bothered. He's just like, you know, he's a bit disappointed that... Yeah. Tom Watson's campaigning for ethics in journalism and that when the shoe's on the other foot and he has to write something, he, like, breached Rule 101. Yeah. Like, yeah. off-the-record off conversations are off-the-record and you can't stick them in a book like that. So it's has like, he responded to this yet? He's said on Twitter, like, um, this things like this need uh, um, time to respond to and I don't have any. And he hasn't written anything since. If if there's if there's anything that he's written since we record this, then it'll go up on the show page. Yeah, okay. That's only fair. I think he, you know he's on the side of good, but it's more about Tom Watson than it is oh, anything yeah, else. Like the whole like when he had James Murdoch in front of him in in the standards committee thing. Yeah, and it was like, do you know do you know what the mafia is, James? Yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. this term is? Do you you know? Yeah. You must be the only mafia boss in history. All this kind of yeah. crap. And I mean, it's like, oh, this, it's the way that he's gone about it a lot of the time, and yeah. the tone in which he kind of addresses things. And like, I mean, like a couple of months ago, I questioned something he said, and he kind of like patronized the hell out of me. Oh, that was good. Um, which was quite, <laughs> it was just a bit like of a shock, really. But um. Yes, I mean, he said yeah, I'd like a lot to learn or something that I should, shouldn't should open my mouth or something. I can't remember what it was exactly. I, I remember um, that. That's good. We can embed those tweets if I can find them. Yes. But, um, but those... Uh, but but it's... I don't know, you know? You support the, support the idea, just not really the way it's been gone about. And, I, I mean, because, I mean, he's clearly spending a lot of time on this. So, like, ha has he been able to fully fulfil his role as a constituency MP in the kind of time that he's been going to all these committees and hearings and flying to conferences and, and speaking all the time. So, you know... And playing video games. Yes. <laughs> um, so it'd be interesting, you know, to look at that, you know. 
Um, is he well thought of in his constituency for campaigning on local issues? Yeah, he may well be, but it'll, it'll be good to see. So App of the Week is going to be slightly different this week. Usually, Joe, you have a mobile or web app or I do. something that helps journalists do their job. But there hasn't been that many released recently. No. Except one. Um, <laughs> but you've made it, Joe. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So we're going to talk a bit about this live blogging platform you're developing called Occur. Joe, what is Occur? Occur is currently a, a piece of web-based software which I'm helping build with two others, um, Jonathan Frost and Andrew Fairburn, who both um, are both students in York. And it's, at the moment, a really simple live blogging um, piece of software that allows you to just embed in your own site and cover something live. The idea being that the current things that are out there are way too, either too complicated or poorly designed or just not accessible to a kind of casual user or a freelance journalist. So you've obviously like designed this with some sort of need in mind. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the current platforms that are out there aren't suitable for, for the work journalists do. Yeah, well, I think, you know, for example, Cover It Live... I think once logging in, it takes you about six clicks or something before you can set up a live blog. And then there's about 20 buttons all up and down the side uh, of, of the console when you're trying to do it. And it shouldn't really be that complicated. You know, essentially all you're doing is publishing information that you're hearing or pulling in stuff from, you know, maybe a journalist is sending you. Shouldn't be that hard. You should be able to embed media easily. should be able to put text in and format it easily. Um, and it should all look pretty good from the front end as well. So that's the kind of aim behind it. A good design that's kind of simple, um, but also pretty powerful with a lot of features. So what are you hoping to do with it? At the moment, we've been, we just finished our first round of testing. So it was the first piece of software which took 10 weeks to build. And we just finished giving out to our first round of testers, um, which has been really good because finally someone else has got to see it. And we've had some really good feedback. We have a better idea of what people want now. Um, we kind of had all the features planned and laid out, and now we can just prioritize. So, you know, we know that, like, you know, 60% of people consider a certain feature very important. So, we'll, you know, we'll go for that before the others. Um, and then it's just a matter of kind of repeating and doing the same thing again. So there'll be another group of testers in a couple of months' time who'll get the next iteration of it. Um, and then we're going to work towards building in a sort of bigger architecture around the service. So if we have any depressed listeners listening in who have to use Career Live on a daily basis <laughs> and they want to give um, Occur a trial, what, can they find out more information? Yeah, so it's occur.com. You spell occur, O-C-Q-U-R. Go to occur.com, put your email address in if you're interested in testing the future. Um, follow us at Twitter. It's just at occur. You know, being completely honest... I really liked it. I found it like really simple to use, yeah. um, which is like the main thing. I mean, I have used Cover It Live on numerous occasions, and I just find it so heavy. It like it really taxes the resources of my browser for some reason. Yeah. It's a really heavy load. You, you see a Cover It Live embedded, and you know it's Cover It Live. It's like branded to the yeah. hilt. And it, it doesn't seem part of the page it's in. It, yeah. it very much seems embedded. I put um, occur into a Tumblr page and just gave it some testing and stuff and it just like it seemed like it was part of, yeah. of the page and I think that's 
I think that's like a, a, a real nice feature that it's, yeah. it's sort of going to blend into people's sights. Thanks for coming back and listening to us, loyal listeners who've missed us and been inundating with literally no tweets about how much you've missed us. Um, we appreciate everyone who's listened, and we'll be back next week with another Media Mouthwash. See you soon.